Well, hey, let me, uh, let me pray. We're going to be, if you have your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, I want to talk to you today about um, building a life that lasts uh, um, forever. And so I want to talk to you about some key ideas. So, so let me pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to just hang out with these guys and uh, talk a little fun, talk a little shop. But, God, also we want to, want to look to your word and uh, just really see, God, what you would have to say to us and how you would challenge us. And so, God, uh, as we... Um, as we see your word, I pray that we would begin to uh, look and examine our own hearts and our own lives and see uh, uh, that we are faithful uh, to build lives that matter, to build uh, uh, a faith that matters, build a legacy with our children, with our family that matters and lasts and stands the test of time. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, as you look at, um, yeah, I don't know when you study God's Word, if you just read God's Word, uh, kind of a key uh, is as you, as you look through God's Word and as you read God's Word, and hopefully you're in some sort of a daily reading plan, uh, you want to take note of a couple of things. As you're reading God's Word, if you have a highlighter, however you do it, if uh, uh, you can even make notes in... Um, and, and, and version and a number of other Bible software where you can just put the highlighter on there and you highlight things. When you're reading something, a couple of things to pay close attention to. When you see a command where it says do this and do that, man, highlight that and underline that and take note of that. When you see a command, uh, if you see a promise, uh, if you see a promise, highlight that and take note of that when you're reading God's Word. Uh, one of the things that I do, and you'll hear me talking about it a lot in uh, a Scripture, is uh, as you're looking at, take note of the verbs. Uh, if it's because, man, the Christian faith, uh, it's not only a believing faith, which is a verb, but it's a doing faith, which are verbs. And so uh, if you, when you're reading, instead of just reading, stop and say, hey, was that a command? Do this. Go do this. Don't do this. That's also a command in the negative. Uh, then a promise. Man, it, you know, if, if you do this, then look at conditional statements as well. So look at commands, uh, look at promises, look at verbs, and then look at conditional statements. A conditional statement is, if you will do this, then I will do that. The if-then statements. And so uh, uh, I point that out because in these 13 verses, uh, there are a number of commands, a number of promises, a number of verbs that are active. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point out one or two that are passive here uh, today that we look at. And then there's some if-then statements. And so just as you get in your daily Bible reading, as you think about it, uh, you know, when God's speaking especially or when uh, in the epistles when uh, Paul is uh, speaking, if he says, if you will do this, then God or the Heavenly Father will do this for you. That's a conditional statement, and we got to understand that's part of our lives. Uh, a lot of people want to claim the promises. They want to ignore the conditional statements. Uh, in other words, are they, they, they want to claim the last part. You know, there's a conditional statement that says, if you will do this, then God will do this. We claim the last part of that is a promise. You know, God promises to do this, and I'm going, hang on. He promises to do that if you would do this. And the reality of it is we certainly live in the grace of God, in God's uh, favor and God's love. Mac, how you doing today, buddy? Good to see you back. Uh, and uh, so uh, uh, anyway, the... Uh, uh, the uh, uh, the things that we always have to remember is that God, 
we can't just claim the last part of the verse if we don't do the first part. And so as we journey through today, I want to point out a couple of commands, a couple of promises, some passive things that God wants to do for us if we're willing to let him through the reading of his word and through being engaged in scripture, but also uh, just uh, want to see a conditional statement or two. And so if we as men are going to build lives that last, legacies that last, uh, let me just read the first 13 verses, then I'm going to come back and I'm going to point out a couple of things to you. Notice what uh, Paul says to Timothy. He says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust them to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So notice that. Notice the whole string there. He says, join me in the suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs but rather tries to please his commanding officer. He says, similarly, similarly anyone who, compare, uh, who competes as an athlete uh, does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. He says, the hardworking farmer, the same way, should be the first to receive a share of the crops. He says, reflect on what I'm saying. He says, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. He says, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. He says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect uh, that uh, they too may obtain the salvation of Jesus Christ with eternal glory. He, here is, therefore, a trustworthy saying. Notice what he says. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. And if we are faithless, he then remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Now, as we look at this, let me give you a couple of thoughts today, and I want to encourage you to take some notes or underline some phrases and some uh, phraseology. And in these are going to be uh, uh, four commands and a promise. We're going to look at some ifs, thens. We're going to look at some active verbs and some passive. But the first thing is... Um, if we are going to build a life that lasts, we have to learn the source of our strength. We have to learn how to have strength and where to gain strength and where to get it from. Notice what he says in verse 1. He said, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That be strong is it's one of those commands. Be strong. Be strong where? In the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. Now, in that... Um, uh, in that passage, uh, there's also a verb there. It said, be strong, but he says, be strong in the grace. It's in the passive sense. In other words, we need to learn from time to time to receive strength from something outside of ourselves. That I, This is not a grin and bear it idea. That there are times that I need to go to God's word and I need to pray and I need to ask God to give me strength. We need to say, God, give me strength. God, I can't handle this. Uh, I've got cancer. I'm dealing with a physical element. There's a relational thing going on. I'm exhausted. Uh, anybody ever feel exhausted? Uh, there are times that I'm just exhausted that I say, you know, God, I've got eight more things that I have to do uh, that are big, and I've got to prepare another lesson or something like that. And there are times I start my lesson prayer, God, give me strength to stay up. Just give me strength to teach me what you want me to teach me and show me what you want to show me. And so he says, listen, that is a passive voice in the Greek that I'm going to receive strength from somewhere. Well, where do we receive our strength from? I think the first thing we need to understand as believers that we need to ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen us. 
Man, the Spirit of God strengthened me. Give me steadfastness. Uh, give me uh, endurance. Give me, uh, uh, give me mental acuity. I mean, there are times that I ask the Spirit of God, just, just strengthen me. Uh, I gain it from God's Word. Man, when I'm feeling weak or something, I, I just read God's Word. I study God's Word. There's another place. Guys, and this is what happens to men a lot of times when we begin to fall apart or we begin to struggle or things don't go well. We have a tendency to isolate ourselves, don't we? Isn't that our, that's my, my natural tendency uh, when I'm struggling through something or I'm battling something that I want to isolate myself. Uh, but what do we need to do? We need to go be around other men. We need to be around other people, other guys that walk with God. And so they can then do what? They can give me strength. They can encourage me. Uh, sometimes I share with them what's going on. Sometimes I just gain strength being around other men of God, uh, whether they know what's going on in my life or not. And we want to make sure that they're men of God. You know, I've got a statement. I've got, um, you know, I'm now my fourth kid, got my youngest one. Uh, we're moving towards being an empty nester. And, um, you know, I find that uh, now that, uh, uh, that um, you know, my, my youngest is 16, that um, I always have had people that call me, but now we're on baseball teams and stuff. And so I got a lot of dad calls, you know, that, that this isn't their fourth, their, this isn't their 16-year-old their and their youngest one. He's their oldest one. How many of you remember there were things that were huge with your oldest kid that by the time your fourth kid get there, got there, who cares? You know, good luck with that. Uh, I mean, that's the way it was. And so now I'm getting all these calls, and now that tells me that uh, I'm older because I'm getting all these calls and, Man, I just remember going through this with my oldest son thinking, this is huge. And now I'm thinking, this is nothing. But I've got a phrase. I've got a statement with a lot of these dads as they're struggling with, you know, what their, what their sons particularly do. I said, you know, i got a 16-year-old boy now. I said, he's my fourth kid, but he is a 16-year-old boy. And here's kind of my philosophy, and I'd share this with a number of guys. I said, here's what I believe. If you put one 16-year-old boy alone, uh, they're likely to do something stupid. You put four of them together, they're four times as likely to do something stupid. I said, so, all I can tell you is be glad it wasn't stupider than it was, what it was. You know, a lot of times, be glad it could have been worse. The reality of it is uh, we don't want to, in those times of struggle, in those times of weakness, uh, to begin to tap into others who would draw us away from our families or draw us away from our faith. And that's why we want to be careful. You know, we want to be careful and we want to be cautious that, man, when we're down, when we're struggling, uh, when we don't have the energy, that we are, we are getting strength from the right spaces and right places. Man, the way I look at your walk and my walk as men, I, I was thinking of an analogy that I could use. It'd be like a power tool. You know, I, I've got power tools. Anybody ever picked up your, your drill that you had, electric drill you hadn't used in a while, and all of a sudden you get about a Right? And, and, and have you ever done this? So you've kind of reached up there and you've kind of turned it with your own hand. Have you ever done that? Y'all are like, y'all all have spare batteries. Uh, I've done it. Man, I, I've done it. I, I've, I've taken the little saw out of the end of it and I've sawed it with my hands because I'm out of juice. What do you do? you got to get juice. And so there are times, guys, and this is exactly what he says. He says, be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. That if you have blown, if part of your weakness Part of you being defeated is that you failed. I love the way Paul put it. He said, be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. How many of you guys blow it? Anybody ever roll into the office and just launch on people? Boy, I do that all the time around the church. 
you know, you all of a sudden you you, you go into some uh, uh, non-biblical language. You don't you stop speaking Greek and Hebrew, and you just start speaking the things that come natural. Uh, you blow it in what you say to your kids. You blow it in what you say to your wife. You blow it in what you say to other people. You just have blown it. All you can do at that point is be strong. And I love, love what Paul says, gain your strength from the grace of God. I say it a lot. There's not one thing you've ever done in your life that you can do over. There's not one thing you can do over. But you can stand in the grace of God and by the grace of God gain strength to move on and to do it better next time and be challenged in a better place. And so we, we want to make sure that we are always tapped in. And so if we are going to leave uh, a legacy that lasts and we're going to build a life that lasts, we have to tap, tap into the right, right power source. First place is the grace of God. And, and this is where you've got to be honest, guys. If, if you're struggling in a relationship, and you never acknowledge, and this is where you have got, that it is your fault. Man, you're, you're never going to gain ground. You need to learn to own it. Man, let me tell you what. The most manly thing a man can ever do is look his wife's and, wife in the eye and say, I am sorry. That one's on me. That one's on me. But what do we do? We walk around, we have too much pride, we have too much ego just to ask for God's grace and ask for our wife's grace or our kids' grace sometimes. And so, guys, we've got to tap in. God's grace, God's spirit, God's word, God's people, God's worship, we have got to tap into the right places. And if you find yourself in a place from time to time that you are just tapped out and you are exhausted, the first thing you need to think about doing is getting around other men and other believers in church and gaining strength. And then sometimes when we have blown it, God, give me strength to recover from my ignorance. Give me strength to recover from my disobedience. So command number one is this. You have to be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. And then look at command number two as we look down. Uh, we have to learn to multiply our influence. And this we find just in verse 2, that you need to be looking around to multiply our influence, your influence. You know, that's what I do here at the church. And you had, you had the opportunity a, a, a couple of weeks ago to hear from Leon and then hear from Justin. And, um, you know, the truth is uh, I'm not going to be the pastor of this church another 100 years. I know some of y'all will be shocked by that. Uh, but my guess is uh, uh, most of y'all aren't going to be here in 100 years either. But what can we do? We can multiply our influence. The only way we can multiply our influence is by not being selfish, that we have to give what we know away. We can't have to walk around living life thinking everybody's got to please me, everybody's got to worry about me. Notice what Paul says in verse 2. He says, And the things you have heard from me, uh, heard me say, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust those things to reliable people, who will also, listen to this, be qualified then to teach others. Now, I, I want to give you the background. Paul is writing this from prison. And he says, listen, remember the things that you heard me say. And he goes, and trust those things to reliable people who then will be able to teach other people. In essence, how many generations do you have right there? 
of expanding the influence. You have Paul to Timothy, Timothy to reliable people, reliable people to teach others. Does that make sense? That's multiplying our influence. That, that is not an option for us. We have to multiply our influence for the kingdom of God. So how do we do that? Well, we invest in other people's lives. We, we, uh, we teach other people. You encourage other people. Uh, we share what God has blessed us and the gifts we have. We serve. We use the spiritual gifts that God has given us. Now, Paul had, had a unique ability. He had the ability to plant churches, to be a missionary, uh, to preach amazingly, uh, to withstand uh, everything the Romans could give him in prison and still be faithful. Now, let's be honest, guys. There's not many of us that are like Paul. I want you to know that as much as I would love to think uh, that I, I could be Paul-like, uh, when I look at what Paul says, just that one chapter in 2 Corinthians when he said he was shipwrecked, he was naked, he was cold, he was bit by a snake. What else happened to him, Pastor? He was hungry. I mean, he, he whatever. A lot of things to the point of death. Pretty much, you know, I, I, I'm going to go hunting on Thursday. But uh, here's what I know is I, I don't plan to go get bit by a snake. I don't plan to wreck a ship. Uh, I don't plan to uh, be freezing cold. I don't plan to uh, be hungry for long. And I don't plan to spend a lot of time in prison. Man, I, I think about uh, what was a, what was a pastor just released? Uh, where was the pastor just released from recently? Huh? What? From Turkey. Yeah, he had been in Turkey prison for seven years. And first thing he did, went and prayed for the man. I, I'm sitting here going, man, you know. And and during these uh, seasons, uh, uh, where you think about some of these some of these veterans, uh, um, some of these that maybe whether you're in you know a Japanese uh, uh, camp during World War II and what they went through, or some of these other guys uh, for their faith, what they've gone through in the isolation in China and stuff like that. Let me tell you what. Um, Man, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty stout. You've got to gain your strength from somewhere, but also they have to multiply their influence. We get the opportunity to multiply our influence. But notice what he says. He says, the things you've heard. So what have you heard? You've heard me teach. Hopefully you've read, God, read God's Word. Uh, you got to hear Justin teach last, year, last week. You got to hear Leon teach. You've heard a lot of people teach. My guess is that you have heard your life. How many of y'all are in a life group or a home group? at least from time to time. Good. All right, so you've heard other teaching. You've heard a lot. So the question is, if you want to build a life that lasts, who are you sharing it with? Who have you shared it with? When do you drop it at the office? When did you just drop a word at the office? Drop, you become salt and you become light. We've got to share it with other people. Uh, we're good at sharing our opinions. My guess is, there. In every, how many of you work with other people in the office? How many of, how many of y'all don't work with people in the office? You're retired. I know retired firemen. How many of you will at least be with other people today? How many of you think there's a high likelihood sports will enter the conversation and you will have an opinion? How many of you think that politics will enter the conversation and you will have an opinion? Do you think anywhere in there that you could speak for Christ? Just drop something in there? You know, other than, well, it's all in the Lord's hands. No, it's not. we got computers down there at the library that apparently has no signs. So, uh, man, we've got to share it with other people. And that's what Paul says, man, it's always about, man, so where is my circle of influence? It starts with my kids, right? With my wife, 
my kids, my kids' friends, my kids' friends, my church, the people I meet with, the people I encourage. Man, I am always looking. Then also the people who are under me. We have some young guys on our staff that uh, some of them are headed towards different places in the ministry, and some of them are heading more towards Scott's role, maybe a finance and facilities guy or a Justin's role, a lead discipleship guy and a pastor in a, in a church somewhere. Some of them are headed towards being a pastor someday. And part of what we do is we give them opportunities. I will tell you from time to time, it, it's kind of a, uh, and I'll just tell you what your pastor won't receive well from you. When, uh, when I'm gone on a Sunday morning and one of our young guys gets the opportunity to preach, don't send me an email and tell me, tell me when you're gone next time. I'd rather you send me an email and say, man, um, keep working on him. Keep pushing him because you got to get him up there and they never learn. And so just know that. And so we've got to have young Timothys under us, but we've got to find Timothys who have Pauls, and then Timothy gets his Timothys who they get their Timothys. And notice the generational aspect. Paul to Timothy to reliable people who are then going to go and teach others. And, man, that's part of what we invest in. And so I want you to know everything we do as a church, when we challenge you to serve the community, what are we doing? We are challenging people because here's what I believe. I don't know where they are. I don't know who they are. The five, six, seven thousand 7,000 people we had on Fall Festival, you know what's going to happen, and we've already seen it. 10 or 12 people came come back on Sunday. Uh, part, of, part of why we knew we had a ton of, ton of visitors on Sunday morning is because the 930 service was bigger than the 11 o'clock service. Now, how do we know that? Because there were visitors coming back, and they had forgotten to set their clocks back. <laughs> so they all started walking in when I was preaching. We were joking about that yesterday in worship, how much bigger the 930 service was than Sunday in service. I said, well, yeah, it was bigger when I started preaching, but did you notice when they all came in about 30 minutes late? <laughs> a lot of people apparently don't set their, uh, they still have old-timey uh, old timey, uh, alarm clocks because your you know, iPhone will do it for you. If you didn't, you're familiar with an iPhone? You got a flip phone there? So good. But, uh, man, we've got to teach them to reliable people. Here's number three. Look at the next command he gives you. And this is one that we, uh, we don't like, guys. Got to be willing to pay the price. If you want to build a life that lasts, you got to be willing to pay the price. And I mean that. And that's, notice what Paul says, and, and we pick it up. And uh, he uses uh, three illustrations all three of these illustrations, these people have to pay a price. And I chose, by the way, I chose this passage coming up this week. No, we're moving towards Veterans Day. This isn't what I'm preaching Sunday. But notice what he says in verse 3. He says, join with me in suffering. That's paying a price, right? Join with me in suffering. Then he gives the first illustration. Like a soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but, but rather, notice what he says, tries to please his commanding officers. Man, soldiers are exposed to the elements. They have to train hard. They have to work hard. Then when we get on the battlefield, they're ready to go. They're ready to make snap decisions. They're ready to wear their packs and their boots and their long sleeves in 100 degrees weather. They're willing you go back and read some of the stories. Man, go back and uh, do love reading, reading historical. Uh, man, go back What some of the stuff that they went through in World War I. I mean, they just sit there and froze to death. 
um, just amazing, the endurance. We have to be willing uh, to endure. We have to be willing uh, to pay the price. And he starts his first illustration is, is like a soldier. Uh, who was I was thinking about this uh, driving in this morning? Was it um, Sergeant O'Grady? Who is, who is the guy that uh, 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 F-16 went down in Europe uh, a couple of years? Was it O'Grady? Okay, remember Scott O'Grady. Remember what? Had, have you anybody read his whole story? No, he survived while he's waiting to be picked. He was eating bugs. He was eating any, anything that was crawling. He was eating it. That's paying the price, right? And then people had to come in and were willing to pay the price to get him. And the reality of it is, you know, guys, we have to be willing to pay the price. And so my question to you is, is in your faith and in your journey and in your walk right now, are you really paying a price? Are you paying a price for anything? I, and I want you to know we're blessed. Where we are. How many of you are blessed? We're blessed in Collin County. Guys, we're blessed. Uh, people like Stan will move here because we're blessed, right? You enjoy being here, Stan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very good. Did you tell me to go to church there? Oh, I thought you were in. <laughs> I thought that was a motion to replace the pastor. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. <laughs> but uh, do you understand? I mean, do you read stories of soldiers? I read that stuff, man. I, I, I love that stuff. I'm enamored by real life stories of people who really pay the price. And uh, that's, um, that's one of the things that I usually uh, don't stay uh, uh, for halftime entertainment. That's, I'm, I'm usually there for the football game. No offense uh, to anybody who's, who's kids. I had a daughter. I used to stay for her to cheer because she always did her, did her thing. But uh, when we got up, Gina said, you want to go get something? I said, I, I want to stay. And let me tell you why I wanted to stay is because they, I don't know if they showed it if you're watching it on TV. The whole uh, halftime show was honoring uh, the military branches. They had the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, uh, and no Coast Guard. I did notice that. No Coast Guard was out there. And Gina says, where's Coast Guard? <laughs> Apparently, they didn't have, couldn't find any. But they had a uh, division of them, whatever they call They were just the representatives go out there. And some country and western singer uh, that I'd never heard of, it said national artist. Apparently, he's big on the USO. Uh, is it USO? Is that what they do when they go? Yeah, he's big on the USO market, and he's saying, uh, oh, glory. But the reality of it is, uh, you know, I looked, at, I, looked at, I looked at them, and what they gone through to be there, uh, way more sacrifice than I can say I've given in the last four years or six years of active service and serving Christ. And so, guys, we have to be willing to pay the price. If we look back to Paul, Paul says we've got to be like good soldiers. So I want to encourage you, be like good soldiers. And notice what he says, don't get tangled up in civilian affairs. And what is it, man, as I think about that and I bring it into our life, what, it be, what, it, what, it, what would it be like for us as good soldiers to get tangled up in civilian affairs, uh, to start complaining about things we don't like? And I didn't like that song, music too loud, pastors asking for me to give to another missions endeavor. What is that? That's getting tangled up in civilian affairs. Would, would, you, say, would you agree with that, pastor? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, just, just don't get tangled up. You know, here's my response to that. Do and, and be totally honest. It's okay. Have we ever sung a song here at this church that you don't like? It's okay. You're you but so you're lying. All right. Next week is the Ten Commandments. We're going straight to how many of you we've ever sung a song in worship that you didn't like? Raise your every guy in this room can raise their hand. All right, everybody. I want you to know I'm the pastor of this church. I hate most of them. 
okay? I hate most of them. You want to know why I hate most of them? Because someone, one person in the congregation will hate that song we're singing, and I'll get an email. No, you know what they'll do is they'll take the prayer request card where everybody else is praying for their dying sister who has cancer or someone who just had leukemia or someone's marriage falling apart. They'll anonymously write there about the music, and they'll drop it in. Now, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Other people know who they are. Why? Because they're walking into their life group and they're complaining about the music. How many of you have ever been in a life group where someone's complaining about the music? Don't point at them. If y'all are all in the same class, don't point at them. That's getting tangled up in civilian affairs. What's the point? I shared it Sunday. The methods change. The message never does, right? The message is the gospel. The music doesn't matter. The music connects us with worship. Worship is important. A good soldier is willing to pay the price. Don't get tangled up in civilian affairs. Man, if, if there's something that doesn't go right in your life group room or doesn't go right in the church or you don't have a, uh, you don't like, to, hey, if you don't like a song, just don't sing, pray. You could do some of that too, right? How many of you could use some prayer? Yeah? All right, if you don't like a song, just pray. We'll get around to a song that you like. Here's what we try to plan, at least one hymn every service. Sometimes you can't, can't uh, recognize it because the music people like to twist everything up. Uh, but I, I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you, I'm with them. That's what they got to do, right? And what you got to remember is that song you love because you grew up singing it. It was a contemporary song sometime, and your great-great-great-grandmother hated it and didn't want it sung. And had she gotten her way, you wouldn't be loving the song you love. That's the way it works. Right, Doug? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Don't get tangled up in those things. Man, if, if, if all of a sudden the parking isn't right or every once in a while, I know this happens every once in a while at this church, the pastor preaches too long. Uh, it was brought up yesterday uh, that I preached shorter Sunday because it's only 39 minutes. I said, listen, I know I walked off of there just itching, felt like I just cut myself short. Man, I just, I just want to go. Don't get tangled up in civilian affairs. Don't complain about the little things because let me tell you what, when you get tangled up, let me tell you what, guys, I want everybody to look at me. When the men of God get tangled up in civilian affairs, start complaining and whining about the little stuff, Satan is laughing his butt off because he's got the spiritual strength and the spiritual armor, the men of God focused on the wrong dadgum thing. And so we've got to be like soldiers. What does he say? He doesn't get tangled in civilian affairs. He, he pleases his commanding officer. Who's our commanding officer? Man, pretty clear. Man, I, I, you want to change your life? I, there, there, a lot of people have experienced this. You come up and tell me you don't like something about the church. A lot of times I go, I know. I know. I mean, because we're not perfect at everything, but we do a lot of stuff good. But what we do care about is the focus, the main thing. Then he uses another illustration, the second one. Uh, we've talked about the soldier. Then notice what he says. He says it's like an athlete. Notice what he said. Look at this picture. He, he said, uh, similarly, anyone who wants to compete as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except when a competing according to the rules. It's amazing to me. And we've had some in our church um, that um, that their daughters are training to be Olympic gymnastics. 
we, we haven't yet had one, but we've had some. Anybody have a daughter that's in gymnastics? I mean, like high competitive gymnastics. The number of hours that those kids put in. The amazing number of hours. I read something not long ago, and it's been a couple of years, not long ago, getting old now, a couple of years back, about the average number of hours of practice a person had put in to become an Olympic, Olympic athlete. It was amazing. And that... That pretty much let me know why I was an Olympic athlete. A lot of other things just wasn't athletic. But, uh, man, it takes a lot of energy to become an athlete. And then he says, then you have to compete by the rules. What are the rules? Man, it's right here. I can be a believer. I can, be a, I can talk about my faith all the time. But if I don't play by the rules of the gospel, of God's word, what do I do? I'm disqualified, right? So what would this be like? And I'm, 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 all of these illustrations I want to bring to us. If, if we're a man of God that says I'm a man of God, all right, that I love Jesus, I go to church on Sunday, but my conversation at the office is just like everybody else's conversation. I'm not playing by the rules. What have I done? I've disqualified myself, right? Now, I also want you to understand this. I understand being a man. And I understand being an authority over people. I understand being in workplace environment. And from time to time, uh, a, a pretty word or a colorful word helps get the message across. I'm not talking about one that slips. I'm, I'm talking about not just a cuss word. I'm talking about it. You're talking about somebody else's wife. You're talking about some other else's woman. You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about that kind of conversation. What we do, how we act how we live. We disqualify ourselves. And then all of a sudden you begin to talk about how much you love Jesus and faith and everybody goes, wah, wah, wah. Don't they? You understand what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been around someone like that? They talk about how much they love Jesus and, man, you think, did you just slap your wife again? Man, what does Paul say in Ephesians chapter 5? We are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Christ walk around berating you all the time and slapping you all the time and being angry with you all the time, being bitter with you all the time? No. Then don't do that with your bride. Or what? You disqualify yourself. And when you start telling her about it, and I'll just tell you guys, this is, this is one of those things. Maybe I'm a little tired, but I just, want, I just felt like God wanted me to put this in. The number of times I've, I've seen... And, and it's just, it's discouraging because I got two of them going on right now. A man be a horse's rear to his wife all of their married life. And then all of a sudden she says she's done. And he wants to roll into my office and start talking about the vows that he made before God and what scripture says about them not getting separated, not getting divorced. I'm like, and so now all of a sudden God's word matters to you. Does that make sense? And and I just, I just want to look, I look at that is so unfair. She's been wanting you to live God's word for a long, 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 long time. And now all of a sudden, you want to hold her to vows. When your vow was that you would love her like Christ loved the church and give himself up for her. Man, he says like, like a soldier, not getting caught up in civilian affairs, pleasing his master. Like an athlete that trains hard but then competes by the rules so they won't get disqualified. Then notice the next one. He said, like a hardworking farmer. Everybody say hardworking. Let me ask you a question. 
when it comes to your faith, would you say that your faith would be could easily be described as hardworking? Don't answer that question. Probably not. Now, let me just tell you, I understand everybody's got to provide, and I want you to be that way. I should, I should work harder at the church than you do because that's my job. So I'm not discounting that. But I want you to know, if you're spending 60 hours at the office, 70 hours at the office, and I understand that's what it requires, you, you do need to at least put in some energy and some effort to your faith. And I love what he says. He says, like a hard-working former, uh, farmer should be the first to receive the share of his crops. Now, let me just stop you right there. I've talked about being a soldier and not getting uh, torn up in civilian affairs to please your commanding officer. I've talked about an athlete who needs to compete by the rules so they gain the prize and they ultimately get the prize. That's hard work. But I love this. There's also something where we need to understand, guys, if we are a hardworking farmer in our faith, we get the first share of the crop. I believe that, guys, with all of my heart. Guys, I do. You will get paid back over and over and over again for your service to God. I believe that with all my heart. I love what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6. He said, do not grow weary in doing good. Anybody kind of know what it says next? Because for in due season you will reap. But I love this. Paul acknowledged like a hardworking farmer should be the first to receive his share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight to all of this. I got five things. That's two. So I'm going to come back and I'm going to finish the rest of them next week, okay, because we're at 7 o'clock. But look at that last phrase. He says, for the Lord will give you insight into all of these. Here's my, here's my ask today as we close. As you leave here, if you find yourself needing some strength, look to God's grace. And a lot of times I believe, and I know in my own life, that one of the things that saps my strength is my guilt. What I could have done, should have done, wish I would have done. That's where grace gives us strength. Then think about those three illustrations this week. Think about those three illustrations today. Am I a good soldier who's not getting caught up in civilian affairs, who's looking to please my commanding officer? Am I an athlete who is training hard, but today or yesterday or two days from now, I compete outside the rules? Or number three, am I a hardworking farmer in my faith? Because if I am, I'll be the first to gain some of the crop. And then ask God to give you insight. Ask God to tweak your heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, I, I thank you for uh, these guys. I, I love these guys. I, I enjoy being here each and every day. I know that, God, you uh, brought a bit of a challenging message to each of us today, but I, I do pray that that in, in some, of, some of these guys, like in my own, that there are times and seasons, although I may not cry in my eyes, but I cry in my heart because I know I've been stung, I've been popped, and, and that your word has spoken directly to me. God, I look around this room and I see soldiers. I see athletes.
and I see farmers. But I see soldiers sometimes that get caught up in civilian affairs. I see athletes that sometimes compete outside the rules. And I see farmers that sometimes give up and don't wait for the crop. But God, I pray for these guys right now that it wouldn't be today. It wouldn't be tomorrow. It wouldn't be this week. And that every guy in this room would say, that's not going to be me anymore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.